In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. On the first Sunday in Lent, Jesus fought with and conquered the devil in the wilderness. Last Sunday, Jesus set the woman, or the daughter of the woman of Canaan, free from demonic harassment. Today, Jesus teaches us that the departure of the demon is not enough. Nature abhors a vacuum. The departing evil will be replaced with greater evil unless it is replaced with the Holy Spirit, with the good that comes from God. Replacing evil with the good is the pattern established in baptism. In baptism, we renounced the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The service for baptism in the first book of common prayer in 1549 actually contained a prayer of exorcism. The priest prayed, quote, I command thee, unclean spirit, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, that thou come out and depart from these infants. Then he prayed, as we still do, quote, Give thy Holy Spirit to these infants, that they may be born again. The Eucharist is a renewal of our baptism. We confess sins of thought, word, and deed in order to remove the evil from our lives. We receive Christ in the sacrament so that the evil will be replaced with the good. The gospel suggests that unless we take this good we receive through the Spirit, do the good works that God has prepared for us as we pray, we run the risk of falling back into evil that is greater than the evil we confessed in the first place. The epistle is an exhortation to live in the light of our baptism. Quote, For you were sometime darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. The problem or challenge is that it is easier to talk about baptismal renewal than it is to experience it. It is easier to confess our sins than it is to overcome them. It is easier to desire virtue than to practice it. It is easier to feel loving feelings than to act in ways that are motivated by love. Part of the difficulty results from a confusion about how God's grace interacts with our own efforts in the Christian life. There is an emphasis in American Christianity on what is called justification by faith. This is the truth, which we proclaim here often enough, that we are saved by the grace of God and not by what we do. As Ephesians says, quote, By grace are ye saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. However, once we have experienced conversion of the heart and have been baptized into Christ, our essential mode of being changes. We no longer live merely in the flesh. We live, quote, in the spirit. 
Life in the Spirit requires work on our part. This work does not consist of things we do to earn God's favor. This work consists of acts of the will that open our lives to the grace of God in order to make that grace effectual to change us. The principles of growth in the spirit correspond to ordinary principles of growth. God gives us a body and a mind as a gift. If we want to become stronger or better informed, we must actually engage in exercise and study. We would laugh at someone who says they want to be stronger or smarter but refuses to work out or read. God gives us his Holy Spirit. If we want to become stronger in the Spirit and grow in the knowledge of God, we must engage in spiritual exercise and study. We ought to laugh at those who say they want to be more like Christ but never pray, fast, give alms, make a confession, receive the sacrament, or put their spiritual gifts to use. The grace of the sacrament is free, but you must actually get out of bed and drive to church to receive it. Grace comes to us freely through prayer, We must actually stop what we are doing and talk to God and listen to God if we are to receive that free grace. Fasting is a means of grace. We must actually not eat or not partake of some other pleasure if we are to receive the grace that is offered to us by fasting. Good works require that we actually do some good thing. The epistle says, quote, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. Sounds good, but how are we going to do that? We must first receive his love. This will require a good confession of sins leading to a new experience of forgiveness. This will require some time in prayer to consider just what our sins are, and it will require that we make an actual confession. We must then consider what keeps me from loving as I ought. We might well discover that we have selfish habits and attachments that get in the way of our desire to love. Dealing with these may require some new practice of fasting or almsgiving and some change in our daily pattern of living. We will need to recommit ourselves to the life of prayer and begin to behave in ways that actually seek the good of the flesh and blood people with whom we interact and with whom we live from day to day. The point is that what sounds like a sweet and easy command, walk in love, is shown upon further review to require quite a bit of work from us if we mean to obey it. 
without a willingness to work at replacing the evil with the good, we may consider ourselves to be Christians who are forgiven and loved by God, but our disordered patterns of thought, word, and deed may remain unchanged. The gospel suggests that we cannot maintain this neutral status if we do not cooperate with God's grace so as to produce the fruits of the Spirit. We will actually regress into greater evil over time. We are now two and a half weeks into Lent. If you have taken it seriously and fasted in some real way, you may be a little grumpy or impatient by now. The appetite that has been denied may be whining. You may be struggling to keep your commitment to prayer. You may have intended to do good works, but may not feel at all like doing them. This is all a good and necessary part of the work of spiritual growth. The point is not how you feel. The point is what you actually do. If you persevere in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, this will be a season of growth. It doesn't matter whether you've been perfect at it or not. In fact, it may be better if you haven't been so perfect. That will keep you in remembrance that this is God's grace. It only matters that you continue in the work of removing the evil and replacing it with the good by the grace of God. Paradoxically, it requires effort to be changed by grace. There is always the temptation to be satisfied with words and warm feelings. Thus, the woman at the end of our gospel tried to change the subject. She exclaimed, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps that thou hast sucked. But Jesus, emphasizing that progress requires that we actually change the way we live, that we actually work on our confessions, that we actually practice doing new things, said in response to the woman, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.